Hello, and welcome to the Archives of Diseases of Childhood's Evidence-Based Paediatrics and Child Health podcast, Archimedes. This is the podcast that drops approximately every month to tell you all about how we take the clinical dilemmas that patients present us with, run it through a sieve of critical appraisal and synthesis of that along with clinical expertise and the patient and their individual little bits, and then think, what should we do for the best? It takes that idea that evidence-based medicine is the answering of clinical questions using the best available evidence, knowing that we're doing the best for now rather than necessarily the best forever, and pulling all of that together to try to make a difference for patients. One thing that we know listening to that is that it's pretty clear and shouldn't we all be doing it as much as we can? Well, sometimes other people don't quite see it that way. Those of you listening to this podcast are most probably, unless you've got it on auto-download and then it's auto-played whilst you're in the middle of the gym and you can't get to it to move it on, you're most probably convinced as to the values of having skills in question-forming, literature-searching, critical appraisal of all sorts of different papers and action on the evidence you bring together. You're committed, to some degree, to the practice of evidence-based medicine. Most likely, to you, that's obvious. If you weren't you, though, it might not be so clear. For instance, if you were forced to do critical appraisal checklists to recite a litany of potential biases and crunch through the mathematical joys of uh, relative risk and numbers needed to harm uh, because your school, your college or your postgraduate course demanded it, and particularly if it felt like that was a section that was tacked on to the end of the real content of medicine, you might end up grizzled and grumpy and stare at people that wanted to ask you questions about it. How do we, the It's Obvious gang, allow those who are coming up, and maybe even those above us, to appreciate, though, why they have to learn these apparently meaningless skills? It's got nothing to do with being able to get a cannula in, or take a good blood gas, or interact with a small grumpy person to get them to open their mouths, has it? Perhaps what we need to do is to state much more why we are making clinical decisions. We need to own up to our own uncertainties, and to describe where we have used evidence, and use that to seek out effectiveness of new drugs or better tests or to answer prognostic questions. If people are told they have to learn a thing but don't have a context or reason for it, yeah, well, they're going to hate it, aren't they? And we are often counselled to avoid stating it's obvious when we're talking with anybody. But maybe what we need to do is consider why it's obvious that evidence-based paediatrics is a good way to practice and then crack on and explain that to everybody else. Now, this month's clinical question could fall into that category of things that, well, should be obvious. The question that's being asked is all about how procalcitonin might help predict the complications of Kawasaki disease. 
and the case is a, a two-year-old boy presenting with a three-day history of fever with erythema multiforme rashes, big cervical lymph nodes, bilateral conjunctivitis, erythematous libs, a proper good-going Kawasaki disease. He was started on intravenous immunoglobulin, had two courses, he didn't respond in to start with, and eventually did develop coronary artery aneurysms. The blood tests on admission included procalcitonin, because at this place, procalcitonin is used to evaluate possibility for bacterial sepsis. And then the question came afterwards, could that procalcitonin measurement in the setting of Kawasaki disease have actually done something prognostically and let the team know that it was more likely to happen? Well, the team, who consisted of Katsuzi Ilo, Heather Hanna, Melina Baku, Chris Gale and Jethro Herberg at Imperial College London in the UK asked this question and went away and searched the evidence, looking at Medline Embase and Cochrane Library as well. They drew together 42 potential articles and eight of them were summarised in this paper. That's worth a read because it's interesting about the different ways that KD can prevent and the, the different elements that are within it. As some of you might know, procalcitonin is an inflammatory biomarker and it's widely used to evaluate bacterial infections in ICU settings and in the setting of COVID, it came in and got used a little bit more potentially to reduce the amount of antibiotics we were using. There are a number of systems that have been put out there looking at procalcitonin levels and coronary artery aneurysm development. Some of them, early ones, suggested that maybe it was related, but the majority of these papers showed really no association between procalcitonin levels and the development of coronary artery aneurysms. The ones that looked at procalcitonin and IVIG resistance, a sort of a subset of that, showed some degree of association when they were done as case control studies. Now we know that if you take the extreme examples, the ones who definitely went on and got something very florid, and the ones who definitely got away without anything, then what you see are usually differences in biomarker type things between the two. When you look at them prospectively, that's when you're actually saying, what about this use going forward? Not just taking our ducks and yaks, but actually looking at everybody as they're coming along. Does it make a difference? And no, it doesn't really make a difference. And the paper's really good at describing how these things emerge and what we take from it. Now, as the paper says, there are differences between Kawasaki diseases that seems to appear in Asian countries and Kawasaki disease in other countries. And there may be some element that it's a different thing in a different place. But the best evidence would say that you shouldn't start taking procalcitonin when you have a KD patient because it ain't going to help you decide how to treat them. And it ain't going to tell you whether they're going to get more problems or not. You'll save yourself a blood test. You'll save a potentially unreasonable decision about prognosis. And yeah, you might still be uncertain, but you'll, at least you'll be uncertain with the best possible knowledge. So that's the end of Archimedes for this month. If you 
fancy the idea of submitting an Archimedes, pop onto the website, follow the instructions to authors. There's a handy template there that should help you along the way and submit it in via the editor over email for sort of formatting and informal discussion prior to its formal push through peer review. We would love to hear what you think of Archimedes, of the podcast and of the journal in general. So please do get in touch on any of our socials. Until next month, thank you for listening.